Loving God, set us apart for truth. Let our lives speak the truth of your word. Amen. Friends, I have a story to tell you. Something amazing happened this past Thursday, something that you're not going to believe. It's now, I believe, seven weeks since we heard that our teacher Jesus was raised from the dead. I know not all of us have seen him, but we've all heard the stories. Mary Magdalene found his tomb empty that Sunday morning after the Passover, and she saw him in the garden. At least she said that it was his voice and it looked like him, but he was different too, like light was coming through him. And then that same afternoon, there were those disciples, I can't remember who it was, but they said that they saw him on the road when they were walking to Emmaus. Now they didn't recognize him at first, but then he came into the house and sat down to eat supper with them. And when he lifted up the bread and broke it, just the same way that he always did, suddenly they knew that it was him. And of course we know that Thomas actually touched him, actually put his fingers right into the spear wound on his side. So we know that he's, he's been here with us in some way this whole time, even though we thought that he was dead. But here's the crazy thing, and I know that it's going to be hard to believe. It might, it might even be a little hard to hear this part because I think maybe he's not going to be with us like that anymore. Maybe it's going to be harder to see him now because what I hear is that this past Thursday, Jesus took the inner circle out to Bethany, you know, just outside the city, the house where Mary and Martha live and their brother Lazarus, it's now that he's alive again too. And Jesus told them that the time had come and that they should remember and keep telling the good news to people in Jerusalem and, and all around the good news that he taught us. And then he raised his hands out over them and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he was carried away, gone, disappeared, just like that. And now we really are alone. Well, before he left, he promised to send us power from on high. Those are the words that he used. But who even knows what that means? Thank you all for indulging my little dramatic monologue here this morning. I guess I could have just told you that last Thursday, 40 days after Easter, was the Feast of the Ascension when Jesus ascended into heaven and left his disciples in Jerusalem to wait on the coming of the Holy Spirit, but I thought it would be more fun to act it out. Today, the seventh Sunday after Easter, we are left in a weird, liminal, in-between sort of place. Jesus is now gone, really gone for good this time, but the Holy Spirit has yet to come. That won't happen until 50 days after Easter, the Feast of Pentecost, which will be next Sunday. The word Pentecost actually means 50 days. So come back for that, it'll be exciting.
Now, it's tempting to ignore this story about the ascension altogether. Uh, For one thing, it happens on Thursday, so I could just pretend it didn't happen, right? Um, But especially, especially in this fake news, post-truth era that we're currently living in, I don't know that I want to muddy the water any further about what's real and what's not real. I believe in science and math, and I'm not inclined to argue with, for the plausibility of such an obviously childish story when it's set against the incontrovertible facts that we all know to be true about how the world works. For one thing, the earth is not flat. Heaven is not some realm above our heads just beyond the clouds. There's no point in having Jesus float up, up, and away like that. Where's he going? But maybe, maybe there's another possibility. Maybe this story and all the other implausible stories that fill the Bible, maybe they're not there in eternal opposition to the facts, the math, the truth that science has revealed to us about quantum mechanics and general relativity and molecular biology and so on. Maybe taking these stories literally misses the point altogether. I think these stories are trying to point us towards something that's bigger than ourselves, trying to point us towards meaning, towards truth with a capital T. And truth, truth is not an easy thing to tell or to hear in the world that we live in today. I was reading some political commentary this past week, and I came across this this summary of the idea of truth and how it operates in the political realm, and I'm quoting here. Seen from the viewpoint of politics, truth has a despotic character. Truth is therefore hated by tyrants who rightly fear the competition of a coercive force that they cannot monopolize. Now, unwelcome opinion can be argued with, rejected, compromised upon, but unwelcome facts possess an infuriating stubbornness that nothing can move except plain lies. Listen to that again. Tyrants hate facts, they hate the truth, because it can't be controlled. It can't be bent to their whim. The tyrant's only option in the face of facts is outright lies. Now this was written by political philosopher Hannah Arendt. It comes from The New Yorker, and it was written in February of 1967, because I guess politics never really changes, huh? (laughs) She goes on to write, where everybody lies about everything of importance, the truth teller, whether he knows it or not, has begun to act. He too has engaged himself in political business, For in the unlikely event that he survives, he has made a start toward changing the world. In the unlikely event that he survives the act of telling the truth to power. Insisting upon truth, you see, is a good way to get yourself killed because the people at the top don't really want to hear the truth. Now, Jesus knew all about that. 
He knew that telling the truth about what the Roman Empire was doing to oppress his people, he knew that telling truth like that would be dangerous. He knew that overturning the the money-changing tables of the temple so that he could talk about economic inequality, he knew that this would not endear him to the temple leadership. But he told those truths anyway. Now, the speech that we heard Jesus give in the gospel this morning, he actually gives this speech on Monday, Thursday, just before his final confrontation with the authorities. And on that day, what was on his mind? His final prayer for his disciples is this. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. To sanctify something is to set it apart, to make it special, different, holy. Jesus' most fervent hope for his disciples then and for us now is that we would open our eyes and ears so that we can see the truth and hear the truth and love the truth and live for the truth. No matter what lies the world may tell, we are set apart for truth. So what truth is it? This story about Jesus' ascension is trying to tell us. Well, I think it's interesting that Jesus leads his disciples out to Bethany to say their final goodbyes. Jesus hung out in Bethany a lot, in fact. It was always where he stayed when he came into the city of Jerusalem. His friends Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, remember him, they had a house in Bethany. Bethany wasn't a very nice neighborhood, though. It was just outside of the city gates, just out of sight of the temple, in fact. The name Bethany translates to something like the house of affliction. It was where the city of Jerusalem sent people who were poor or sick. There was a homeless shelter there and also a leper hospital. Bethany was built purposefully out of sight, out of the sight line of the temple, so that those coming into the city to worship wouldn't have to see all of that ugliness, that poverty and desperation in Bethany. And that's where Jesus chose to spend most of his time. These are the people that Jesus chose to spend his time with. The poor, the oppressed, the destitute, the sick. These are the people he poured out his life in love for. And this is the last place on earth that Jesus chose to be seen among the poor and the suffering in Bethany. And he goes out from this house of affliction into every place and every time, carrying in his heart the cares and concerns of all of the poor, destitute people of the earth. And now... Now he surrounds and infiltrates all times and all places with the beating heart of this truth, sometimes hidden just under the surface, but always there. If you're willing to face it, if you're willing to look at the truth, the truth that real love costs everything you have, 
Real love will cost your whole life. And it's the only thing in the world that matters. Amen.